Hey, thanks for listening to the Songs for Worship podcast. This podcast exists to promote music that draws our hearts into reverent, God-centered worship. If you're anything like me, there are certain songs and certain lyrics that that can just get stuck in your head, and uh, they just play over and over again. I've been thinking about that this week and just thinking about what makes good music, what makes some songs get stuck in your head. So in this episode, I want to talk about what makes good worship music. We could say a lot about art. I think a lot has already been said. A lot has been written about what makes good art versus bad art. And, uh, but for the purpose of this podcast, I want to deal more specifically with worship music and what makes good worship music. I don't want to claim to have some kind of formula for finding the perfect worship songs, though. I don't think that exists. There's always this tension um, in art between creating something new and and using elements that are that are familiar. Um, in music, between saying something using familiar rhythms, familiar melodies, familiar notes, or saying saying it in a, in a new way. I don't want to claim to have all the answers here, but I have studied and practiced music for, for a long time, and I know that there are some things that, that tend to work better than other things. Function in, in music is, is essential to my approach here. So, so in selecting music, we need to keep in mind the biblical function of music in worship. Today's episode is tied to the last episode where we discussed four reasons why we should sing in worship. And I think that once we understand how music should function in our gathered worship times, we can better understand what kind of music serves those purposes well. So today I'm going to break down some of the different elements of worship hymns and and talk about how they can serve to draw us into prayerful, unified, corporate praise and worship. And then after that, I want to talk about a hymn called Be Thou My Vision. This is one of my favorite hymns, and it's also our theme song. So as we start, I just want to make a, a little clarification here between the terms hymns and songs. Oftentimes we use those interchangeably, but uh, a hymn is by definition a religious piece of music that is supposed to be sung, it's intended to be sung in worship. A song, on the other hand, uh, can be religious or not religious. It's, it's simply a poem that is set to music and is intended to be sung. So in, in the Christian tradition of, of hymns and worship music, there are several defining characteristics and, and forms that, that had developed over the years that make hymns well-suited for congregational singing. And we'll get into some of those distinguishing characteristics in a bit as we discuss what makes hymns effective for our worship. So what makes some hymns or songs better suited 
for singing than others. I have to say here that in some respects, this is this is a little subjective. And so we should always give thoughtful consideration to the people that we have singing with us. As I already said, the, the perfect formula, I don't think it exists. You can have really well-written Christian music that just isn't well-suited for worship services or for congregational singing. So based on the people that are singing with you, I think we should always take into account the the musical style that we are singing in. We all come from, from different backgrounds with different musical experiences. What may be familiar for one person may be completely foreign to someone else. I think of rhythm as one element that could be challenging for some. Newer music tends to be more rhythmically challenging. And that can be really difficult for some people who may not be as familiar with with a lot of the newer uh, rhythms. I do think we all need to be stretched, though. And that's something that I that I try to routinely do with myself is to introduce myself to to new music. Um, It can be really healthy. Another consideration to take is the space that we're singing in. A hymn that works well in, in one context may not work so well in another. Imagine that you're in a grand cathedral with huge vaulted ceilings and you're surrounded by, by hundreds of people. Everyone's singing and, and there's a, a huge grand pipe organ playing and the sound is, is reverberating off of the walls and the ceiling. There are some hymns that, that work very well in such a context that may not work so well say, in, in your living room, sitting on the couch with, with small children being accompanied by, by a guitar. So we should always ask, who's singing? And then secondly, does this encourage us to sing well? So let's talk a little bit about the different elements of hymns and how they work together. First, we have the lyrics and the text, and then second, we have the melody and then a third element is the arrangement or the harmonization. A well-written piece of music is going to take all of these three elements and, and join them together into a co- cohesive whole that, that serves the congregation well and serves to, to encourage us to sing. So let's look a little bit more closely at each of the different elements. So the lyrics and the text. One important part of the lyrics is the theme that it uses. We need to be cautious that we're, we're selecting music that features biblical themes. <clears throat> One of the beautiful gifts of God's Word is that it not only reveals Him to us, but it also reveals how we should respond to Him in worship. And so we need to sing and worship the, the kinds of themes that, that the Bible dictates to us. We should also make sure that the themes represented in the text are substantive enough to warrant singing together. They, they teach us. They teach us something significant and important. While um, songs like uh, Do Lord or He's Got the Whole World in His Hands may not have anything wrong with them. They're, they're fun songs to sing. They don't necessarily give the gospel or teach a substantive truth that encourage us to worship in reverence and awe. So another part of the lyrics that we should consider is the language. Is the text understandable? Are the words clear? 
How effectively do do the words used convey the message? And then another thing to think of is, does this use slang words that don't have a lot of longevity or that many people may not understand? These are all things to consider. And then related to the language that's used is the poetic device of rhyme. Rhyme is is important to poetry, and it helps establish rhythm. It it also contributes to the memorability of the poem, which is which is an important part of congregational singing. There are many types of rhymes, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Suffice it to say that rhymes can be really important to the effectiveness and the memorability of lyrics. The next element of a hymn is the melody. A melody is made up of notes of different duration, um, which can be called rhythm. So you have long notes and short notes, and you can have patterns of long notes and short notes. And then you also have the range of the notes. So notes are higher notes and lower notes. And then you have the space between the notes. And in musical analysis, we call a melody conjunct or disjunct conjunct if the notes move stepwise with small spaces in between, and disjunct if there are large leaps between the notes. Some principles of of a good melody. I would say a good tune is not overly complicated, and it should help everyone to sing well. A good tune also emphasizes the message of the text. So you shouldn't have a happy tune with with a dark text, for example. And related to what what I talked about in the introduction with the tension between the familiar and the unfamiliar saying something new and saying something that's kind of been said before is a good tune is also unique. It says says something in in a new kind of way. One way to test out a melody is to to sing it all by itself without any instrumentation. And ask yourself, is, is this still interesting? Is this singable without any chords or any instrumentation backing it up? The third element is the, the arrangement. I feel that the musical arrangement should, in some ways, reflect the musical literacy of the congregation. I think if there is harmonization and instrumentation, that it should be done in a way that encourages and supports the congregation's singing voices. As a musician, I love doing interesting chords. Uh, take jazz chords, for example. I, I love the sound of jazz chords and, and different rhythms and, and adding those things into music. As a musician, that makes music really interesting for me. But I also feel that bringing jazz chords into worship music should be done cautiously and sparingly, if at all. Jazz often uses more complex chords and progressions that aren't as easy for singers to follow. So next I'd like to talk a little bit about Be Thou My Vision, and then I'll play an arrangement of that hymn for you. In addition to being one of my favorite hymns, this is our theme song for the podcast. The hymn encourages us to look at life through the lens of God's Word. As Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I love how this hymn directs us to God and to his word. So this is an old hymn. This, the text can be found in manuscripts dating all the way back to the 10th and 11th centuries. And it's, it's possible that it was written even before that. 
Interestingly, the hymn belonged to a certain category of hymns called lorica. Lorica is a Latin word that means armor or breastplate. So these, these lorica hymns were intended for use in prayer, especially when seeking divine protection. In 1905, the Irish linguist Mary E. Byrne translated a literal unrhymed edition of this hymn. And that edition came to the attention of Eleanor H. Hall, who included a rhymed translation with her collection of Gaelic poems that was published in the year 1912. The melody that we, that we typically associate with Be Thou My Vision is called Slain. This is an old Irish folk tune, and it's, it's also been associated with uh, another piece, a ballad, called With My Love on the Road. So in 1927, Slain was set to the old hymn, Be Thou My Vision, by a composer named David Evans. David Evans was a church organist and a professor of music at University College in Wales. The hymn is a call to prayer. It's a call, as I said, to turn our eyes, to to focus our vision on, on the Lord in all areas of life. Psalm 17, 15 says, As for me... I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Whatever we may be doing in life, we need to allow the Lord to lead us through his word. I think that one of the biggest things that makes a hymn like this last for so many centuries is that it is rooted in the word of God. my heart not be all else to me save that thou art thou my best thought by day or by waking or sleeping thy presence Thanks for listening to Songs for Worship. Uh, let me know what you think. What what makes a good and effective hymn? What makes an effective tune? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Whether even if you disagree with me. I'd like to hear that too. And maybe you can add something to the conversation. As we close this episode, please go to the subscribe button and click that if you haven't. Uh, you can find my website at ericcrose.com or if you're a Twitter person, you can find me on Twitter as well at Curtis Rose Music. Until next time, thanks for listening and God bless. You.